Forgotten Flicks, episode 26. William Cat is in the house. Look at this house that he's living in. I wouldn't stay there myself. Suddenly these strange things are happening. There's Will and Orm and somebody else. Believe it or not, you gotta know me. And if you don't want my name's J.V. Wasn't scary. This opinion belongs to just me. I mean, but honestly, I saw this movie like maybe 20 years ago or so. And I saw it on television, so they probably cut out all the best parts. I wouldn't know because I never really searched it out on VHS, you know. But hey, that's just me. Know me, and if you don't mind my name's JV, I saw a house when it was on TV. It wasn't scary. This opinion belongs to just me. It wasn't scary. This opinion belongs to just me. Follow me at jvmail.com. I promise I don't sing on my podcast. Hello and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. I am Joel, joined as always and forevermore. And then, of course, you'll quit two episodes from now and I'll <laughs> look like a complete chump. Jason! You don't need me to look like a complete chump. No, that is true. Touche, my friend. Too freaking shay. Yes. Good evening, my friend. Afternoon, morning. Yes. How are you? Yes, I am doing fantastic. And yourself? I mean, it's been like a whole four hours since I saw you. So, <laughs> yeah. You'd think we'd get sick of each other. Yeah. More you'd think. often than we do. I was going to say, you'd think, <laughs> wouldn't you? Hmm. Yeah. At least right. we don't watch the movies together. Maybe That's that true. Not. That might be a little too much. So, <laughs> tonight we are doing uh, 1986's Heezy. <laughs> We're talking house. Yes. And we're not talking about the British guy that limps around on a. No. Uh, you know how annoying and... it is every time you type in house and like that's the first thing that comes up? I'm like, really? There was a day. Yeah. Back in my day, you would have done a <laughs> search on like Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Gopher. Or, or, or Dog Pile or whatever. <laughs> and, 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 and sure enough, first thing that pop up house, 1986. <laughs> Ding dong, you're dead. But before we get into the movie house, which we will momentarily, we're going to get a little feedback. Perhaps one of the most truthful, honest, and insightful feedbacks we've ever received. If you didn't listen to our last episode, Jason and I got into mm, a bit of a, I don't know, Jason, what would you say? 
I was obviously the calm, rational one, while you, unfortunately, <laughs> couldn't contain your Han hate. I get a little ridiculous when I'm talking Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, we talked a little Star Wars. I recognize. And we, and we talked about Han shot first. Jason tried to actually play devil's advocate for George. Hey, I want to take a dump on everybody's childhood Lucas. <laughs> took his side. But that's okay, because my boy JV, yeah, you know JV, which... As he points out, we don't really yet, but we do now, so that's good. <laughs> we are going to play JV's excellent point, because not only does he make my point for me, but he subsequently bridges my argument into Empire, making a—I wish I had thought of this, because this is just brilliant. <laughs> okay, so without further ado, here's our boy JV. Oh, sorry, Mr. V. Hey, guys, you know me. It's JV. Okay, you don't really know me, but then again, whoever does. Listen, I had to pause— the episode the of What About Bob while driving and I had to record, call you up and record a voicemail while driving uh, and by the way, this is the second take, I had to stop and, you know, redo it and actually, you know, not drive while doing it, because that's kind of dangerous, but anyway that's neither here nor there Hey guys, I'm JV first time, long time, what up? Listen, listen I got a couple things to say you know about a very important and very close to my heart thing. Okay, here's what's going on. They're all walking down the hall, you know, Lando and Leia and and and, and the Wookie and Han. You know, they're just walking to the, to the dining room so they can have dinner, right? And then they open up the door and there's Vader there in the room ambushing them. And everyone's all like, Oh no! Oh no! And Han pulls out his gun. And he's like, Oh yeah! And starts mother effing shooting at Vader. You know why? Yeah, you know why? Because Han is a badass. Because Han shoots first and asks questions later. Because Greedo never shot first. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little carried away there. Now, <laughs> I'm just going to say, let me quote Jim Rome, radio host, and say, rack him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have to say, JV, it troubles me that you get that emotional over a movie, because Whoa. because honestly, yeah, son, hello pot, this is kettle, you're uh, black. Oh, I mean, come yeah, on, yeah, that's a good point. I might I that's might get spirit, my friend. I, I would say I might get a little um, passionate, just a little. <laughs> yeah, so can you imagine JV? And 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 my and me doing a podcast together, like it would be all over the place. It would be awesome. It'd be like four and, and a half hours. Let me clarify hour. here. Let me clarify here yeah. for you. Yeah, I did not try and justify Lucas's you. actions you with that remake. You son. All of I was saying was that it wasn't was a remake. It the was... least of the issues. You know what? It would have been better as a remake. So I, minimal. Wait, 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 wait. It wasn't minimal because it's his character. This is gonna. Ladies and gentlemen, the House podcast is being is being postponed. It, it is going to be pushed. You know what was worse? No, no. Him, you know worse him stepping on Jabba's tail. <laughs> how did I know you're going to say Jabba's that? Tail. Yeah, that's worse. But how is that worse? That doesn't indicate his. That's not, look. What I'm getting at is is core of story here. I'm not talking about just cheese ball factor because yes, that was stupid. But at least that scene actually happened because it was shot originally. Now, granted, Jabba was originally like a 300 pound guy in a, you know. Uh, a mohair vest, but still, that's not that's not the point. Um, and then they decided after that, okay, well, we have a CGI job. Let's put it, and, I, and I get what they were trying to do. At least that kind of makes sense. The problem is twofold. One, by Han being digitally, like being able to apparently 
do a Jedi move and dodge laser blast, which is just stupid, <laughs> from two feet away. Um, and two, it completely changes the dynamic of his freaking okay. character. Okay. Okay, then that would mean, by that argument, that would mean someone could watch the movie now who had uh-huh. never seen it before, uh-huh. watch it, see that part, and think, oh, he's just defending himself. He's a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I- it would be different than someone who watched it. It originally, is, I will grant and have you. A completely yeah, different perception it was it. yes, and it very well. But here's the problem: your perception is what the, of when you saw it originally, not now. And what I'm yeah, getting, but well, it's, it's a not yes, it's, it's yeah, yes, that much. It's not, it's not significant, but it's significant enough. The very first, essentially, the very first <laughs> inner. Uh, interaction we have with Han Solo. The very first scene beyond him talking to the kid, and we get the vibe that, okay, he's this kind of snarky, you know, uh, roguish kind of guy, but he's charming and he's handsome. And uh, But then he gets across from Greedo, and we see that he's also deadly. We don't get that from him defending himself, which is what they've done now. Now, he was always defending himself because Greedo obviously had a gun on him, but Greedo planned on taking him in alive. Greedo wasn't going to kill him because Greedo wanted the money. Now, here... Here's a little thing for JV I heard. I heard that when they're going to re-remake Empire, and now re-remake. they're going to make Vader pull out a blaster first. Actually, that, would, that at least would have been consistent with all the character stuff up to that point. <laughs> and, oh, no, no, they're, gonna, they're not going to remake anything. They're, no, because that insult to injury, they're going to give us the original in its skin, but underneath it's going to be like John Carpenter's The Thing. There's something else growing in there, and it's evil, and it wants to birth, burst forth a la CGI. Cause that's what hey, talk- I, would, I would say it says more that Han, and I'm, I agree with JV, first of all. Han is a badass, no question. But he whips out a blaster on an unarmed man. And by the way, JV, I love the fact that Han sounds like Randy's macho man sound. I, I totally oh, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> he pulls out. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he does. He whips out a blaster, just starts firing at unarmed yep. people there. So yep, yeah, get that's it. better than Greedo. Well, and I would, <laughs> well, and, and I would, I would argue though, it reinforces that point about him that was made in the earlier film. But yeah, that being said, my favorite line that JV had was first time, long time." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. that's my, I love that. Everybody oh, call us it. again, please. That yes. made us both laugh twice. Yes, so. it was awesome, man. That was fantastic. So on that anyway, note, we have a movie to talk about. Yes, wait, Jason. Jason, is this the movie we have to talk about? Come on, people, you know you're feeling it. Don't deny it. Don't even try it. You're listening to The Dove. They made that to a movie? Oh, my God. I never Yeah, Greatest American hero, man. Ugh. Yes. And, of course, if you don't know, because you're, like, under 30, um, <laughs> that was the theme song from The Greatest American Hero, starring William Catt, who also starred in House, the movie we are talking about tonight. <laughs> this is a house where no one should live. 
woman lived here before you was nuts. Wouldn't be surprised if someone just got fed up and off her. She was my aunt. Heart of gold, though. Roger Cobb has come here alone. <laughs> Don't let the door hit your ass on the way in. <laughs> yeah, this is a house. Where no awesome. one should live. I love, I love the voice. Whether it's Don yeah. LaFontaine or pretty much that's the only one I know by name. So whether it's him or anyone else, <laughs> or just, somebody else, with or, that, or that other guy who has the. This is a house. <laughs> where. No one should live. <sighs> is it really weird that that kind of stuff gives me warm fuzzies? Is that just weird? <laughs> um, a little. Yeah. Not 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 too bad. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay, so yeah, so a uh, house, uh, nineteen eighty six, starring the greatest American hero, William Cat, and uh, George. Man, I love that guy. Went. From Cheers, <laughs> Norm, and Richard Mull, aka Bull from Night Court. I wonder why they called him Bull. Got any theories? I don't know. So anyway, he was a tall man. Maybe he lied a lot. You know, Bull, Bull crap. Oh, maybe. you think? Mm. Hmm. I think that's know. what they were referencing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised Dan Fielding never made any jokes about that. I miss that show. So yeah, and so basically, this was a trifecta of TV stars of the 1980s, specifically 1980s comedies. Um, and Jason, are you there? Yeah. Okay. The reason why I asked is I was getting the. I'm in a tunnel. <laughs> From Skype. <laughs> yeah, this is why they make compressor limiter gates, people, and why I need to stop being cheap and buy one. Because I'm gonna. Pre- I'm going to laugh and pretend like I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a know. techie nerd, too. Uh, Not really. I have a life. So, <laughs> yeah, it was directed by Steve Miner. Now, Steve Miner is in that, qual- uh, that um, well, I just completely lost the word. He's in that category. That's the word I was looking for. That category of directors that... I know some people will knock some of his work. I do not give a crap. I love his movies, and he's like in he's like Mick Garris to me. There are a handful of well, film, filmmakers I just love their stuff. I really have no justification for it. I just do, and I think they're entertaining and they make they're good storytellers for to me. Yeah. So he directed actually his first film, according to the always reliable IMDb, <laughs> is <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, followed up by Friday the Thirteenth Part. Three, <laughs> followed up by House. So pretty much his first three flicks were kick butt horror movies. Yeah, 
And he was actually an associate producer on the original Friday the 13th, which, of course, led to him getting the directing gig under Sean S. Cunningham, who was, mm. in fact, the executive producer of House. In fact, House is pretty much a who's who of original, not freaking remake, Friday the 13th. Although I realize Cunningham, I guess, I think he had something to do with the remake. Wasn't George Went in the original? Uh, Friday the 13th? Yes, yeah. he, he, in fact, was Jason. Spoiler alert. He was Jason's <laughs> mother. He was in drag. It was Friday <laughs> And <laughs> get her, mommy. Get her. Get her. Beer, 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 beer. Yeah. Drink, you know, drink. you do realize we have to do like a Friday 13th marathon and a Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> marathon. Yeah, and, yeah. and a Halloween. Mo- oh, wait a minute. Don't want to give it away. Anyway. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, he also did Soul Man, a surprise. Surprisingly, oh, we meant to make a movie that wasn't ra- that was about racism being bad, but sort of <laughs> unfortunately made a movie that was pretty stinking racist. And um, Warlock, which yeah. is a Julian Sands movie that I like, and you know I don't care, mock me if you will, which I'm yeah. sure you will. And uh, then he did some that his basically I think I should I should add the caveat I like his horror stuff specifically. Like, I think all yeah. of his other, because he did a lot of TV work, and he did movies like, you know, Forever Young with Mel Gibson. Meh. Although he did have Jamie Lee Curtis, shut your mouth, Jason. And <laughs> uh, My Father the Hero, and stuff like that, but... Lake Placid. <laughs> I like Lake Placid. <laughs> I do, too. I, I, well, you know how I feel about creature features, yeah. so... Well, I lo- and I, I have determined, I love nature run amok movies. I don't mm. like the kind that, you know, the the ones that I know that you're in love with, you know, the hemorrhoidosaurus versus the sphincter monster, whatever they're called. <laughs> but I, because I, I, I think those are trying too hard to be bad. It's I like, Gatoroid versus Crocosaurus. I thought it was hemorrhoid versus Crocosaurus. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, but I mean, like, Night of the Lepus. We've talked about that. Yes, you know, but that's a that. classic. Yeah, but anything like that. I mean, um, we're going to have a, um, oh, ooh, here, sneak peek at Behind the Scenes of Forgotten Flicks. Uh, we're going to have a review, uh, movie review. Um, well, actually, by this time, we've already had it. Because <laughs> we're mm. kind of a week ahead. Uh, Kingdom of the Spiders, William Shatner, uh, Peter wrote up a little oh, thing on that yeah. uh giant spider invasion i tend to like spider movies i actually liked eight-legged freaks i don't care who knows i love it. that movie. i know i did yeah. those people hate that movie man oh my god oh, i have heard I so much movie. i did too i thought it was great see Look, yeah there you go um and he also did uh back to uh steve minor also directed uh, halloween h2o 20 years later which while not my favorite halloween sequel was certainly superior to several of the ones that came before it and certainly all the ones that came after it Halloween Resurrection oh dear lord and nah. and uh, yeah so I mean he's done some stuff that I dig and Fred Decker um, for those who do not know who wrote and directed Night of the Creeps uh, and the always awesome and better than Goonies Monster Squad <laughs> wrote this story and I think he actually wrote original screenplay early on and then it was rewritten enough that they gave credit to Ethan Wiley but uh, he I think early on in his career wrote the screenplay that led to this picture so he Is was that, a, like if you write the original idea or yeah and if they, I think that was a percentage and then yeah. you get credit yeah I think the WGA the Writers Guild has a percentage that yeah. if it gets rewritten like X percent I don't know if it's like 60 or 70 then you get like at least story credit but you will lose now, you know like co-writing do you credit. also do you also get money, or is it just oh, credit? Heck, or yeah. you have to work oh, that out no, when they buy no, you the story, always get, well, in theory, you get money. <laughs> it depends on who you are and when you're, you know, getting paid. And if the if the movie makes money and... Yeah, yeah like, I'm sure he that. got an option for his script, which was probably a spec script at the time, and I'm sure they paid him, I mean, I don't know, this is 1980, so maybe a few hundred bucks to, yeah. to option it. And then by the time, you know, but the question is, does he get paid? Yeah, after 
people higher up the food chain get paid. Then I'm sure he got paid. <laughs> He's bottom of the feeding pool. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, But perhaps most interestingly about this picture, uh, at least to me, was the mm-hmm. fact that there were several really cool cameos. Well, again, I should, we should have a segment called Cameos Before You Can Call Them Cameos Because They Weren't Famous Yet. Yeah, they, they're not quite... Cameos, more yeah. walk-ons. Yeah, basically nobody knew who, nobody would know who the heck they are. So, yeah. for instance, Alan Autry plays cop number three. <laughs> uh, there's two <laughs> cops that show up at um, uh, William Katz, a, uh, which I'll let Jason go into more detail, but he's a horror writer. Mm-hmm. He's in his house, and these two cops show up at his house. Well, one of them, Alan Autry, uh, was on the TV series In the Heat of the Night, based on the movie. And Steve, more, more interestingly, talk about connections, Stephen Williams, who played cop number four, was in Friday the 13th, Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. He was, I believe the character's name was Creighton Dukes, and I'm guessing because I, again, things are moving slow over here at the old Robertson Ranchero <laughs> and Retreat. Um, but he was also on X-Files, so I just thought it was kind of neat that here's a guy who had this very small part in a, you know, Sean S. Cunningham-produced movie in the mid-'80s, would, yeah. by the early-ish mid-'90s, show up in... Uh, a Friday the 13th movie. So, um, but Kane Hodder, the the best in many people's opinions, including mine. Um, although, um, what was the guy's name? Was it Cunningham? Was in? I don't remember. Three or four. I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah. Hodder is the one who's probably like the most connected to Jason uh, from part seven yeah. all the way through ten, and he was a stunt guy on this uh, movie. So, uh, it's got a lot of connections, but, and you can really hear it in the trailer, the score music that was done by Harry Manfredini. He did the score music for the original Friday the 13th pictures, and it really shows, because there were several times where I'm pretty convinced he just sampled tracks, because it was very, very, very reminiscent of Friday the 13th. So, those are lots of uh, nifty little trivia bits about House, and uh, Jason, would you like to uh, give us a synopsis? Absolutely. Um, This uh, is the story of Roger Cobb, who is a famous horror writer in this uh, movie. It's played by William Catt. And um, he is uh, uh, kind of – they flash back. Basically, the movie starts with this old house, and there's an old woman in the house, and the little – a young boy comes up to the house delivering groceries and finds the old woman hanged. Up in a upstairs room, and it turns out that Rogers that's Roger's aunt um, and we find out through several flashbacks that Roger lived there at one time with his family, which was his wife and son, um, his wife played by Kay Lenz, and um, his son at one point went missing and disappeared and current day. Roger is moving back into the house. He's divorced or, or separated from his wife. His son has been missing all this time. They don't know where he is, and he's kind of in this writing funk. So he decides to move back into his dead aunt's house, um, and that's when all manner of odd things okay, start to I'm gonna, happen. I'm going to have you pause right there. realizes Jason. that his aunt, who everybody thought was a crazy bats-in-the-belfry loon, might be right. Okay, there hey, might Jason, be something Jason, on it. Jason, Jason, in this house. Jason, yes. Can you hear me? Um, for those that are new to the show, I forgot to mention it before Jason got rolling. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I wasn't going to give away any spoilers. Okay. This was mainly this is the beginning. Okay, all right. Okay, I just want to. Yeah, like, some people are very finicky about. It. Like <laughs> you could pretty much say, "Yeah, there's opening credits." Oh man! <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're so sensitive that you can't watch the trailer, yes. Um, then you need to 
turn this off, go watch the movie, and then turn us back on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so anyway, he's living in the house. And his next door neighbor pops his head over and tries to kind of be the nosy but friendly uh, Budinsky neighbor who is played by George Wendt, and that's Harold. Um, Harold kind of pops in and out um, as his buddy. Well, throughout this, uh, Roger kind of is trying to write this book about his experience in the Vietnam War. And so you get these little scenes of him typing at this old computer, writing his experiences with him and his army buddy in Vietnam, Big Ben, who was played by Richard Mall, who was Bull in Night Court, which you just mentioned. So that's where Richard Mall comes in. He's his like Vietnam buddy. So all these strange things start to happen, and Roger tries to capture them and uh, and with video, and he kind of brings Harold in at one point to try and help him, and all kinds of funky things happen. And I won't give away the ending, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they're definitely something strange going on in the house and there's definitely some bad supernatural stuff you know floating around in there so that's kind of it in a nutshell without giving too much away because there's definitely some cool moments and i don't want to spoil for anybody so Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. good enough i think that is uh, definitely good enough and i will say yes i believe that this movie for me was c and d driven yet satisfying <laughs> okay, I, I I felt like it wasn't perfect. There was definitely flaws, mainly in the story and the fact that the character was like, "You're like really, you're gonna." You're gonna... Yeah, I actually I when when you said you wanted to watch this, I, I remembered it was a horror movie, mm-hmm. and you remember I, the I awesome poster. It. Yes, definitely recognized the poster. I knew it had been remade. When was it remade? It has. Um, it hasn't been remade. There were. Four Wasn't there another movie there, named House? Yeah, well, there's House Two, the second story, which came out a few years later. Um, House Three, which I believe is the one that was renamed the Horror Show, it has Lance Henriksen. It has nothing to do at all with the series. It's, it's sort of like the Halloween uh-huh. Three. Um, and then there was a House Four. William Cat actually returns. I do not believe it was been remade. I'm sure the title's been oh. reused. I mean, it's not exactly an original title. No, um, no. I, maybe I was thinking there was a newer one out, but. Uh... Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I, I, I recognized the name. I knew, recognized the poster and all that. And then I sat down to watch it, and bits and parts came back to me that I've seen clips of this, but I hadn't, I don't remember seeing the whole thing from beginning to end. But I forgot that it was a horror comedy. So yeah. for those of you, this is not a straight up hardcore scary horror i think if you're a, is, if you're sensitive to horror like if it, if like if you get easily scared i could see this movie scaring you there are some there are some boo moments and there's some creepy moments and i think the um, the monster effects were great yes i'll give it that and that was actually there is one moment uh and this is not a spoiler but there is one moment where something comes at him um and it surprises you yeah. so a lot of the beginning of the movie kind of sets up with this tension and then nothing's really happening and then a few you know subtle things happen but then all of a sudden just kind of one of those and, you know, <laughs> it made me jump so and that creature effect was actually really good i thought it was pretty pretty freaky it actually you know what it reminded me of was was it poltergeist two or th- it was two with the, 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 the tequila bottle the Native American, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the one that had like all the faces of the people all together and yeah. all that. It actually kind of reminded me of a hybrid of that. And in Hellraiser, there's like a the, uh, the creature yeah. that's coming down the hall. Yeah, reminded me of that. Too. Or Deep Star Six? No, not Deep Star Six. Leviathan. Leviathan. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. definitely a Leviathan. Like a Leviathan kind of yeah. thing. 
at one point. Yes, I can um, see that. But I, I actually watched it, and there are some flaws with it. Let me say, first of all, before you get your panties in a wad, I liked the movie. <laughs> this was really funny. It was really cool. It had enough horror stuff that you know attracted my horror side, but it was funny enough that I really you know got a chuckle out of a lot of it. But um, yeah. there were some definite flaws. Like a lot of the times, something really supernatural would happen, and he just was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go back to work now. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, like, how are you going to work, work on your friggin' book? <laughs> there are plenty of things that happened there that I would have been like, see ya, and yeah. I would have lit the house on fire and ran out and never come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's – I mean, I think that they were smart to incorporate sort of that um, – that the, the poltergeist trope of trap the guy's kid and, oh, shoot. I will add in – a spoiler alert. I have to cut that part out. <laughs> damn it. Stop okay, it, okay, it. Okay. For all of you that are now wondering what was the jump in the track, I had to cut something out because I pretty much gave away a key. You didn't you didn't mention that in the build up, did you? But I did not. Okay. So I'm going not. to have to <laughs> You're gonna clip that out. I have to clip, clip I already just clipped that out because <laughs> it was pretty major and I'm an idiot. So, so, but they, yes, there's an I, element I, of this movie that does require him to be in the house. I guess that's what I was trying to get at. And yeah, they play that up early on. I mean, they don't no, really they definitely play that do. up you don't know why later. Yeah, you don't know why. And I think the other thing that I thought was weird is, okay, you know what? Screw this. Spoiler alert from here on out because I can't really talk about the dang yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Th- this would kind of be a waste of a podcast yeah. if we didn't talk about it. So yeah. pause here, yeah. go watch the movie, or if you don't care, just listen on. Yeah, or I forgot to edit that part and you're pissed right now anyway, so you probably <laughs> stop. <laughs> but hopefully I will have found it. So In that case, we look forward to seeing you in our next yeah, episode. <laughs> yes, note to self, it was somewhere around the 20-something minute mark. Yeah, probably down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the, the uh, Roger Cobb's son had disappeared at this house, and they thought maybe he was kidnapped, but he saw him in the pool, um, and he just disappeared, literally, just like he did. You know, Roger dived in the pool, kid's gone. Yeah, and he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, no. so that element is very kind of like Poltergeist with Carol Ann, where... You know, she's stuck in the house. So they have the, the family has a reason for staying. So that's a real problem at the core of most haunted house movies that unless it's a paranormal team investigating, OK, makes sense why they're there. Or right. it's, you know, a movie like The Shining where they're stuck. In or, the... or a lot of times they'll play up that this is our house. You know, we, we're See, not but I leaving. Find that too, I know. And I find that I, I think of all the reasons that's probably the lamest. Oh, yeah. yeah. The walls are bleeding. But, you know, I have a pretty. Uh, Get hefty... out of my house. Yeah. Get <laughs> Out! Wait a minute, buddy. I got a mortgage nope. to pay. I mean, really? I'm sorry that your 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 fiscal responsibility does not make me believe you're going to put up with a you know a demon infested you know homestead. So, but psych, come out and foreclose. Yeah, really. So I I really think that at the end of the day, the whole okay, my kids somehow trapped in here. That's a, I'm from a character motivation standpoint. I can accept that. Or it's snow is eight feet high and there's a blizzard coming okay i can accept you can't escape or there's a yep. hurricane or whatever that justifies you being stuck in the house but even all of that being said i never really got the sense that i don't know if this is more because william cat is just better at more comedic type roles yeah i just don't i never really got that sense from him of law like like a loss or you know that I mean, other than the one, like he, when he goes up to uh, the the kid's room that was in this house, you know, which yeah, that was he's sleeping in the kid's bed. He kind of looks into the room, but it's late later longingly. into the movie. It's not like you think when you first got there, wouldn't that be like one of the first things you do to reconnect? 
with your yeah. son. Like, I just think that I would do that. Like, I would want to be close to whatever. I, I mean, not just me, but. Well, when when in the very beginning, because this, this isn't spoiler, but in the very beginning when his son disappears and, and the police are there and the detectives there, you know, you mentioned and his aunt is still alive at this point. This is, uh, you know, the very beginning. And uh, he seems distraught like he genuinely does a good job of freaking out that his son was disappeared and, you know, because he's there one second. The next he's gone, and so the things escalate, and, and I, I bought that. But then when he's in the house later, he, he, he goes to the house to write, and when he's in the house, like – and I'm going to give this spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There's a giant fish on the wall, <laughs> and it, it starts looking at him. It's a marlin, right? And then it's, it's a giant marlin, and it, his eyeball starts looking at him, and he sees that, and all of a sudden the fish starts flopping against the wall like it wants to get out. So his response, go out. Grabs a double barrel shotgun, blows a hole in the head of the fish, who appears to die at that point, and then throws a towel over the head of this giant marlin on the wall. Now, if you've never seen a marlin, this thing is like you know five feet, six feet long up on the wall. He throws a towel over it, and his computer's right next to it. So he does that, and he's like, huh, and he kind of goes back to writing his book. Now, if he felt like he couldn't leave because his son was there, wouldn't he be off looking for him? Because instead, he was there like – yeah, yeah, I gotta go back to my Vietnam I think, story. I think I think that's probably that was the that's probably you hit the nail on the head. That's the problem with the story element of this movie. No offense, yeah. Decker. Uh, yeah, it, it's that ultimately his motivation for being there when he uses the whole when he tells George Wynn, "Oh, I just want you know to be some solitude and to work on my new book." Yeah. I mean, I believe that that would have been a good front for him. And I do believe that there was obviously his initial intent to get into the house was motivated by his desire to really find out what happened to his son. But I just don't know that that – and this could be actually, to be fair, this could also be um, the the fault of the director not conveying it properly. But I think it's also in – yeah. in it's inherently a problem in the screenplay where you just never get this sense that his real mission, his goal – like what, if I were to ask you what was his goal in this movie, well, on the surface, you say, oh, we'll get his son back. But where is that really ever established? Yeah. I mean, his son yeah, happened it, to disappear, and yes, he wants to know what happened to him, but it's never, it seems like it's more about him wanting to come to terms with this thing he went through in Vietnam. Or trying to prove that there's something paranormal or scary or freaky or whatever there. Yeah, I mean, see, I don't think he wants to really prove that at first. That he was really kicked in to look for his son until the last third of the movie. I mean, there's an event that happens, I won't give away, but before that, it was almost like, yeah, he wanted to be there to be close, but not. He wasn't on a mission. You never got the feeling like he was on a mission. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that that's in the inherent flaw in the movies that it, that that element was too vague, and yeah. it, it would have been nice to uh, to have seen that draw. Like because like when you think about the Freelings and Poltergeist and how they're just mm. you know completely beside themselves. They haven't slept in days, and they're just yes. desperate to yeah. get their daughter back. I mean, it all fits. It makes that's their whole motivation for being there at that point. It's not oh and. And this is really, you know, we got to get our daughter back. Oh, but I really need to sell some more real estate. I really got to get some of these houses sold. Now, before we move on, and before we move on to to, to the next bit, I got to ask you, what'd you think of Vietnam? Oh, my gosh. Dude, that was so funny. That was like, if it was a 1950s TV show, you know, where they were trying to depict war, that's what it felt like. Were they on Gilligan's Island? Was that? <laughs> oh, it was great. It was such a. Ba- it wasn't just a soundstage. It was like a bad soundstage. <laughs> it, it was. It was bad to the point where you could almost tell they were hiding the pots 
of these tropical plants yeah. with moss. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was almost that. It was like when they would they would like dive down and like you could see the the plywood buckle, you know, and the and the astroturf, the the kind of astroturf you put in your back porch, you know, the green, you know, carpet, outdoor car, carpet, just kind of would buckle underneath there. Oh yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty bad. And, and I thought yeah, and, the other thing I thought there was like, go ahead. There there were plenty of times when I mean. Set with thin, notwithstanding, you know, um, but there were plenty of times when, like, Richard Mall had this great big giant, like, M50 or M2, <laughs> the big giant machine gun he was carrying, bigger than the typical uh, uh, M16s they were carrying, and he would be holding it and shooting it, but the sounds didn't match with him shaking it and didn't match with the flare coming yeah. out of the end of the gun. <laughs> so. Well, and, and I think that uh, the other element about this movie that I found to be interesting was... It felt, and I said this to you before, it felt to me, and this is actually not a knock on it, but it gives you a sense of what it's like. It felt to me like a feature-length episode of Tales from the Dark Side, the old TV show from the 80s. Uh, that played in syndication yeah. for it just yeah. had that vibe, and in fact, there were—I don't know if you got that—but there were several moments where scene transitions were done as fade-outs, and it felt like they were breaking for commercials. Yes, like this was originally yes. meant to be a TV movie. And if you really think about it, other than just a little of the gore and the fact that during Vietnam they dropped a couple of F-bombs, which felt completely forced. Up to that point, I don't even know there had yeah. been any real – I think you know, George Wint called you know the ant a couple names, but there really hadn't been any language even at that point. No. It felt like a pretty – you know, I mean more violent probably, but it felt like a TV but, movie in a lot of ways when it comes yeah, to that kind of stuff. Yeah, the gore wasn't that bad. No. And it really – now, I mean, keeping in mind 1986, I mean, there had been obviously a lot of gory stuff, but as far as mainstream movies go, the monster yeah. effects and everything were pretty intense. I don't know that they would have shown a lot of this stuff on TV. But that being said, it just never – other than just a few – you know, F-bombs, it didn't feel like an R-rated movie. Like, I think this movie, if you drop out yeah. the F-bomb, would have been totally a PG-13 movie. Totally. Yeah, and it could have, because I think, I agree with you, it felt forced. And the sequel, uh, part two, was PG-13. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember thinking that, um, the fade-out thing, in the beginning, like, after the first little segment when his son disappears and the police are there questioning him, yeah. and they fade out, it was one of those slow fade-outs to black that I, I literally, I, I, I turned and said to my wife, I'm like, is there a commercial? Yeah, I, I did too. I did the exact same thing. I said, now, yeah, yeah, now, you know, stay tuned for these messages. Yeah, it or felt like that. this weekend on you know, Saturday so Night Airs. Some, some flares of Tales from the Dark Side in it, yeah. Yeah, and, and it just it had that vibe. And then, of course, obviously, Harry Manfredini's music was reminiscing a little bit of the music from uh, Tales from the Dark Side. And one other connection yeah. I would be remiss and angry at myself if I had forgotten to mention, but the actor Ron Carroll is also in this picture, and of course everybody knows Mr. Carroll. He was Ross Sergeant Carroll. Tierney in the original Friday the 13th at the very end with Adrian King, you know, what about the boy? Uh, the boy in the lake. What, what, what boy, <laughs> ma'am? That guy, he plays a cop in this as well. So apparently, huh. not only was he typecast, but specifically he was typecast by Sean S. Cunningham. Because <laughs> he pretty much put him in the same part where he's interviewing people who've been through a trauma. Um, he was also in Deep Star 6. He played Osborne. That doesn't ring a bell. I don't really remember him being in that, but sure. Deep Star. Who was he in Deep Star Six? Osborne. I guess it was one of the dudes who dies pretty early on. I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, he must have been one of the first guys. I really tried to. I tried to block that movie pretty fast. <laughs> he was also in House Two, although in that they 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 upgraded him. He went from policeman in House to deputy in House Two. Oh. <laughs> nice. 
So, yes, any other uh, comments you'd like to make about the house? Yeah. Um, no, other than watching this movie really made me want to go back and watch Night Court again because yeah. seeing Bull with hair just I know, it was awesome. threw me off. But yeah, I know. Um, just a quick sidetrack. I used to love that show. Oh, Harry God. Anderson and uh, John Larroquette. And, Dan I Fielding just, I was the best. He yeah. was such a complete D-bag, but man. Yes, he was. <laughs> oh, he was so funny. Yeah, that talk was, about that... a typecast. Yeah. I, I, I kind of see him as that. Anytime well, I yeah, I, th- I think that's just baggage for having watched the show. I don't know that he was actually really typecast. You know the role he got typecast for? The voiceover uh, narrator at the very beginning of the orig- original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what typecast him. Oh, yes. I'm just, yeah, that's what did it. <laughs> yes, the horror that befell Sally Hardesty yeah. and her invalid brother, Franklin. Yes. <laughs> so, right. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Jason? <laughs> no. no, that's good. Bull. Big Ben. Yeah. Parliament. <laughs> now on to our six flicks picks, which in this case will be houses that can kill you or things within them that will. Oh, what, what, what's happening? <laughs> our, our, our six flicks picks music just got a big case of awesome. Folks, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, please let it play through the chorus. The chorus is the best part. And I'm thinking, no problem, my friends. No problem. All right, that's enough. Run it. Cut it. <laughs> I don't care who knows it, dude. I freaking Turn love that. The music I off. love that song. Ugh, that is like that's a awful. that's up there like Meet Me Halfway. That's up there like with Holiday Road of just I don't care how many times it comes on. I it it is good. Although I can't hear it anymore without hearing George from Seinfeld do his uh answering machine. <laughs> Believe it or not, George is not home. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, vaguely, but I can totally hear yeah. it without that. So yeah. that anyway, that and for those of you me. who are younger than 30, uh, that was a very short-lived superhero, kind of bumbling superhero TV show, which I actually thought was pretty good oh, yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. I am quite positive that if I went back and watched an episode of it, I would probably think it stinks to high heaven now. <laughs> it depends. Like, I did that with A-Team not that long ago. I watched a couple yes. episodes. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, adults and- watched this and didn't go, huh? And Go watch an episode of Airwolf. Oh. It does the same thing for me. All yeah. I want to do is just watch the opening of Airwolf. And oh, no, Fall Guy. Yeah, that was some pretty hype music. That was good. Okay, so Jason, what's your first pick for a house that will kill you or something inside it will? What's that? I just was saying. Your first pick of a movie where the house will kill you or something inside of it will. Oh, yes, something inside of it will. Yeah, this is actually a tough one because I went through – there are obviously a lot of movies that feature a haunted house or an evil house. I know two Um, of my movies are actually – Yeah, but – and a lot of them it's kind of hard to differentiate between – the house being haunted or it's the house doing it. But a lot of these movies do a good job of 
creating that feeling like it's the house that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one I'm going to pick is actually a a horror comedy, much like the Transylvania um, Six Five Thousand. Transylvania Six Five Thousand. No, this is Saturday the Fourteenth, which is I guess one of the first kind of horror spoofs. Oh no, there is other ones. No, were there more? Okay. Yeah, it was probably um, it was the first uh, spoofing like slasher films, which at that point it really, I mean, there had been a lot of them, but not like because that came out what year did that come out? Eighty eighty one. Yeah, I mean, 19. Friday Thirteenth came out the year before, right? And I know this was kind of a direct yeah, play on that, obviously course, Saturday the Fourteenth, um, and it's it is funny funnier in the sense that it is much more slapsticky than house is. Um, it's the story basically of this family that moves into a house, complete morons, oblivious to the fact that the house is sort of possessed by evil. Um, there are these vampire couple who is trying to get the book of evil um, that is in this house, and they do all manner of hauntings and bad things and kind of gory, some gory stuff, although f- more funny gory or gross gory than it is like, mm-hmm. you know, Someone dies, gory kind of thing. Um, and it stars Richard Benjamin and Paula Prentice um, as the Benjamin main couple is one of those that actors, live in the house. He's one of those actors that every time I see him, I just – he reminds me of my childhood. I guess I must have watched quite a few movies with him in it yeah. from the late 70s, early 80s that – I don't know. You, you see somebody, you're like, oh, I'm seven again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's probably because he, kind of, he, he really had a sweet spot of that time period oh, yeah. and then – you know, didn't do a lot of bigger stuff around that. World. But yeah. Um, I love the scene in this where he and his wife, and his wife at one point, this is not a spoiler, but his wife at one point kind of gets possessed uh, and taken over by the, the vampires. And she's like, can I give you a kiss? And she goes to bite his neck. And he's like, oh, and he kind of stands up and walks away. There's the telephone. And he turns around to her as she's kind of, he's like, I'll be right back for that kiss. You know? <laughs> so. so in other words, it's not really funny. Yeah. <laughs> It is. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> so basically, what you just told us is it's not really funny, and you're just trying to be nice. I, I, I it is a, it is a cornball, the, not funny, haha. More like, it, it more is like a funny. Ball. It's kind of one of those. <laughs> They're fringers. so clever. Um, funny, but they're so clever. Yeah, it, it's oh. funny, but it is in the same vein as House, and that it's kind of that sticky um, horror. But it has some cute moments, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I. I loved it back uh, in the mid-'80s when I saw it because it was just that funny horror. And, and I think I it's also important that, to so. point out that while it's spoofing horror movies, specifically it's more of like the old classic universal monstery type horror movies, I think, than yeah. slasher movies. Yeah, they used the Saturday the 14th bit. Yeah, I don't recall. but it was more about the Dracula yeah, and the that kind of Wolfman stuff. type yeah, stuff. Yeah, the European sort of horror. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and one other note I must point out, I remember being, I must have been, I was 81. I, I, it would have been on HBO. It's like right when it came on HBO. So I was like six or whatever. And I still yeah. can remember I was watching I was watching it and it, you know my parents were watching it and I and I, mm-hmm. I could swear I had this memory of there is there a scene where the light there's several people in their house having like some kind of party and the lights yes. go out and there's like a head in a punch bowl <laughs> or something you know what I'm talking about yes, dude yes, I haven't seen is. that movie since yes. then or like I saw it maybe like a couple years after that but I haven't <laughs> seen that movie since the 80s and I remember it because that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Yes, at the end of the movie, they have it because they're the, the funniest part about this. Um, aside from the fact that the Jeffrey Tambor plays um, the the main vampire, yeah, um, and he's just funny. I think he's yes, he's he just funny. funny. But funny the funniest part is that they're oblivious to all this, and they kind of play that stupid 
I not noticing it. And they have a housewarming party, and that's what happens yeah. at the end. And the guests are slowly kind of killed off, and that's when one of them has the head. Spoiler and the, alert, because yeah. gosh knows you'll be on the edge of your seat. Going, I wonder how <laughs> it's all going to turn out. Don't ruin that movie for me. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, that was a good pick, Jason, I suppose. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the Haunting was my pick. Now, before you go, The Haunting? Do you mean that oh. totally radical movie directed by... Jean de Bont, or de Bont, that came out in the 90s James with Liam Neeson and, and Owen Wilson and, oh, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Of course, I did have Catherine Zeta-Jones. So. <laughs> you know, no, I don't, because that movie sucks. <laughs> I mean the original. That, all that huh? movie does is prove why remakes are generally a bad idea. And the only reason you say generally is because the thing was a remake. Yeah, because the thing is freaking awesome, and I mean John Carpenter. <laughs> awesome. uh, there have been a few remakes that aren't horrible, but yeah, The Haunting yeah. is so bad. So The Haunting, the original 1963, directed by Robert Wise, he who gave us West Side Story and Sound of Music. Mm. He also did The Day the Earth Stood Still, so you know, he has some street, yeah. street cred. It was based on a Shirley Jackson novel, and, which was called the, the Haunting of Hill House. Keep that in mind because one of my next picks is going to get really confusing based on the names. It starred <laughs> Julia Harris, Claire Bloom, uh, and Richard Johnson, and Russ Tamblin as the non-believing Luke Sanderson that would subsequ- subsequently get played by Owen Wilson. Yeah. And it's, it's the story of these paranormal investigators, for lack of a better word, that mm-hmm. are staying in hill house and it's supposedly haunted and all this horrible stuff has happened there it's got a real bad history of violent deaths and people going yeah. crazy and whatnot well eleanor uh who is played by julie harris <laughs> has some connection to the house and i won't go into what it is but she she definitely has something from her past or maybe a past life or it's you know it, it kind of builds up that there is a definite connection to this house and her and it's interesting because this movie is actually rated G. And it's, really, yeah, it's totally rated G, and it's actually pretty freaking creepy. And it still holds up. I, I mean, kids that are used mm. to watching like Hostel and crap, no, this is not going to phase them. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> if you know you're somebody who likes getting the creeps and things, just you know things going up in the night and just getting, yeah. it is one of those kinds of movies. There, there are. Pretty much no special effects at all in this movie. You never see anything. It's all sound and suggestion. Uh, you know, there, there's lots of artifacts in the house and elements that are, you know, you get the impression that things are moving. And it's just, it's a lot of tricky camera work. And just from a pure, technically amazing way this film was put together and just the, the profound craftsmanship involved it's it's worth appreciating on that level but it holds up really well it's you know it's black and white and if you're one of those people who goes oh black and white please uh. stop listening right now and just go away and <laughs> <laughs> wow movie snob <laughs> yeah sorry dude if you can't appreciate a black and white movie um so yes the haunting 1963 i don't want to give any major things away but it's you know yeah paranormal investigators in a house and it's haunted and it's creepy so jason next pick Okay, so enough with the horror comedy uh, on my list. Let's get down to I'm the actually gritty. going freaking scary for now on. Um, this is the second scariest house. The scariest house I've ever seen in my life. And I remember when this movie came out, I didn't watch it when it came out because it was rated R and I was only five when it came out. But 
I remember when it played on that cable network that I can't remember the name of. It starts with I think it's the initials are HBO, but I can't remember the name of it. Okay. Um, but it came out. I think it's called. Showtime. I remember. I think it's Showtime. <laughs> I remember seeing parts of this, just like not even the the horror parts, but just like scenes, and it creeped me out. J- Jason, and of Jason, can I ask about- you? Wait, 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 Jason, before you say it. Yep. Did did it, did you like walk in and there be a, somebody who's broad daylight? You hear. <laughs> is that the movie? Yeah. yeah. Amityville Horror. Yeah, yeah, that's great. 1979. It is the house with the eyes. Yeah, that house and now, is a freaking not, house. They're not really eyes. They're those quarter round windows, which I'm sure are just this classic Long Island look. Um, but yeah, it is if you the want the devil to live house. in your house, it's a classic Long Island look. <laughs> it is. It is an old school Long Island architectural. Yeah, for devil know, worshippers, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so if you're not familiar with the original Amityville Horror, you probably have seen pictures of the house. It's a very classic kind of horror flick. It sets a genre type, but um, it is the story of a family that moves into a house with the history, and the history is actually real. Yeah, in real life, folks. We're yes, not, we're not. There was. Was it really that house? Yes, it was that house. It was that the house they filmed that was the no, one that no. They there, right? re, they took a house and 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 I think retrofitted, replicated it. it. Yeah, okay, yeah, they didn't shoot it. Um, yeah, but there was a real house, and yes. they, this movie was based on the real mm-hmm. uh, story that this guy and on Long yes, Island and his DeFeo. house went nuts and shot and killed his whole family. Yep. Um, and this movie takes place when James Brolin the, the um, and Margot family. Kidder. Yes. Buy the house for a steal because hey, it's <laughs> there was a mass price. murder there. A guy killed his whole family. <laughs> okay. We'll take it. It's um, okay. Nothing bad will happen. We promise. No. <laughs> you can trust me. <laughs> yeah. So guess what? Bad stuff does happen. And by the and, way, um, and by the way, Jason, you know, but you know, bad stuff's gonna happen when Joe Isuzu is your realtor. You know, you're in for it. Trust me. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't explain it. Just let it ride. There's like two people. There's two or three people in the audience went, oh, hey, Josie. Everyone's like, what? Trust me. You can trust me. Yes. So basically, without giving much away, all these really freaky stuff, things start to happen in the house. Scary as heck stuff. And I mean stuff that doesn't take special effects. Like this is the kind of place, if I walked through this house, it would scare me to pee. Yeah. He, just he would be like setting. a he would be like a long haired doxy. He would just you go to pet him. Pee, oh, pee, <laughs> I'd be shaking pee. like a chihuahua. <laughs> um, yeah, and guess what? I'm not giving anything away, but just a little foreshadowing here. Houses built on burial grounds of any type, bad idea. Yeah, really bad. Seriously, I'm people, get with yeah. the freaking program. So, yeah. And Jason, on Amity that Bill note, or 1979. Good pick, Jason. But I have to say. Get out. Because my (laughs) next pick, (laughs) that's called a segue in the business, folks. Yeah. Uh, The Legend of Hell House. Wait wait a minute. We already talked about The Haunting, which was based on the book The Legend. Yeah, it was called Hill House, right? No, Hill. Hill. H-I-L-L House. Oh. Oh. Normally, I would completely go into my snarky, let me mock the fact this movie was trying to so obviously rip off The Haunting, except (laughs) for one key element, which is it's based on a novel by one of my favorite authors of all time, Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend, What Dreams May Come. Oh, yeah. 
the one that was turned into Stir of Echoes and Somewhere in Time. Just fantastic writer. He wrote several classic Twilight Zone episodes. And it's based on his book of the same name, which actually takes place in America, in New England, with American researchers. Yeah. But this movie was uh, transported over to the setting of uh, the UK with British yeah. investigators, including one Mr. Roddy McDowell. And I'm sorry, yeah. folks, you cannot go wrong with putting Roddy McDowell in a movie, but you really can now because he's not alive anymore. But prior to him passing away, you couldn't go wrong. You still can, but I don't think the screen actors. I go actually wrong. like the movie Shockma, people, because Roddy McDowell is in it. It's about a friggin' crazy baboon trapped in an office building with people killing them. And it is awful, but it has Roddy McDowell in it. That's all I'm but saying. It has and he's in, he's also in Overboard, but he's also in a bunch of other awesome movies. So, yes, it also starred Pamela Franklin, Clive, Clive Revel, uh, Gail Honeycutt. The, Gail Honeycutt. That just, that name sounds right and wrong all at the same time. <laughs> and it tells the story of a group of porn, uh, por, I almost said porn. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Hello, Freudian <laughs> slip. This is the part of Forgotten Flicks where... Joel lays back on the couch and... It's Forgotten Flicks After Dark. <laughs> yeah. They're porn-anormial investigators. Yeah. Porn-anormial. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yes, they're a, par a team of uh, paranormal investigators investigating this house where really horrible things happened. People died. People went crazy. Wait a minute. That sounds an awful... Look. Yeah, so... Um, it's pretty much the exact same movie, only it has Ronnie Pickdown. And it's... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Good news, folks. It's in color. Oh, that that helps. Yes, it is in color. So is, so is the Liam Neeson version, and that didn't help. God, that did not help. Oh, <laughs> I hate that movie. I mean, oh, I don't get me started. Just okay. So yes, Legend of Hell House. This one actually came out. Oh, another difference. Nineteen seventy-three, not sixty-three. Yeah, yeah. And this one was Ten rated years. PG as opposed to just G. So there's another difference. And uh, the actors have accents. Oh. If, if you're American, if you're British, they probably don't have accents to you. You're actually probably like, what? Well, you have an accent. You have an accent, <laughs> you friggin' yank. And I'm like, oh, I do? Cool. kind of want an accent. Oh. So, yeah. So, uh, Legend of Hell House, 1973. The meds are wearing off, Jason. We won't wrap things up. <laughs> We're bringing it home, brother. We're bringing, bringing it home. Bringing it home. Bringing it home. Yeah. So, I am now going to talk about one of the movies that has scared me the most as a child. Um, and I rewatched it not very long ago, probably about six months ago. Mm -hmm. And it still creeped me out. Jason. A very, Jason, very well put together movie. Jason. Yes. Did it sound like something like this? Oh, Yes. The score in this is creepy. Okay, that, that, that was actually the score from Amityville. I was. Was it? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, but the, the score from this was creepy. Oh, it's I can't great. tell. You don't exactly sound like a soundtrack. <laughs> I sound like a eunuch who's, who's, Listen, who's trying like to join the choir. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> what the hell is that? No, it's Poltergeist from 1982. Yes. They're here. Na, Yeah. So. <laughs> Story written by Steven Spielberg. Um, Toby Hooper directed it. A fantastic yeah, That's debatable. Film. 
You don't like this? No, it's debatable that Toby Hooper directed it. It's always been a long-standing rumor that Spielberg oh. actually did, but due to right, uh, DGA right, right. rules, he couldn't admit to yeah. it. Yeah, he got credit for it, so. Yes, totally. Anyway, no take-backsies. <laughs> it's mine. My name's on it. <laughs> 1982, it's basically the story of a family um, that moves into a relatively newly built subdivision, and weird things are happening in this house, and um, it stars Craig T. Nelson, who is the dad who's kind of one of the realtor or developer um, salesmen for this neighborhood, and he kind of got this posh house, and and um, his wife is played by uh, Joe Beth Williams. And she starts to notice weird things happening in the house. Now, this is, again, debatable if it's the house or it's the ghosts, you know, things. You can't really tell um, in this one anyway. I'm not spoiling anything going forward or the ending. Um, but it is an, a fantastically put together for little things that scare you, like the clown. There is a toy clown in the son's room, and it's one of those, you know, I probably had one for a couple of my kids that just kind of sits in the crib. It's got the long floppy arms. You actually put a friggin' clown that looked like that in your kid's crib after knowing about that movie. What is wrong with you? (laughs) I didn't say I bought it for them. I had it. I don't know. Someone, everybody gives you a clown for your, I found it. It was, it was laying on our front porch step. And I was like, wow, (laughs) I have an idea. I'll put it in my child's crib. (laughs) It was laying in a crucifix. I mean, if this was a movie, (laughs) nobody would buy this, but because it's real life, (laughs) That is the creepiest clown in the world. Um, worse, that, than Pe- worse than Pennywise? It, it was worse than Pennywise for me they because Pennywise Georgie. at least – I mean he goes from being clown to like evil clown. But yeah, this, he still was creepier. Huh? Yeah, Pennywise was still creepy, but this one creeped me out more. But yeah. Anyway, um, the whole thing when Carol Ann – at one point, the little girl, whose name is Carol Ann, spoiler alert. <laughs> ready? She gets sucked into the TV by the well. Technically, she gets sucked into the closet, Jason. She gets sucked into the closet, but she talks to the TV, and that don't it's you love the- people who are like picking at nits, Jason? Technically, <laughs> technically, she enters the TV realm by way of the closet. Yes, <laughs> yes, Ebert. Thank you <clears throat> for clarifying that. Um, but when she's like, mommy. See, there's Amityville again. It just came out. When you were doing that, you're like, <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's stuck in my head now. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, this is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely go see it. Watch it late at night with all the lights out mm-hmm. and the sound turned up. They're remaking it, by the way. Uh, remastering no, it? Or no, nope, I don't it. believe I said remaster. No, I said remaking. Uh, uh, yeah. Man, just rewatch the 80s movie. Just replay the 80s movies in the theaters. Don't remake them. Yeah. Please. Mm-hmm. Steven. No, please. no, no. He needs to remake it. But let's see. Well, there's nobody really has guns in this movie that they could erase and replace with walkie-talkies. <laughs> Maybe they could erase the old, like, click box uh, cathode ray tube Zenith with, like, an HD TV. Oof. They're, they're just going to cut and put uh, flat screens in now. Yeah. Like, keep all, like, and the actors the and... Like they're just kind of like a retro family who like have retro hair and clothes, but like make everything in their house up to date. <laughs> She's talking to TiVo. She's talking to TiVo. Yeah. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Anyway, yes. Poltergeist from 1982. Awesome I movie. love it. It's, awesome a, it's a cool it horror is. movie, and it's definitely a Top freaky tier. house. Yes, it's a great sure. movie. Yes, I agree. So now our number one pick, Jason. Drum roll, please. 
Uh, the people under the stairs. I'm not even going to make you wait, people. The people under the <laughs> stairs from 1991. Now, you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That house, there's a... No, but what's in it could kill you. In fact, it would, especially if you're Leroy. It's what's in the bathroom? No, no, living room that could kill you. No? And, Attic. And, and, of course, Leroy played by the great Vane Grames, and I just gave away a major spoiler. <laughs> wow. What spoiler? I totally said, never mind. I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Okay. So The People Under the Stairs, 1991, directed by Wes Craven. I will now give you a quick synopsis of this classic <laughs> horror picture. Spoiler by, free. Spoiler free. By way of the character Roach, the child who lives in the walls. Thank you. That's my number one pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it tells the story of Fool, played by Brandon Quinton Adams. And Fool is a kid living in, uh, let's just say, HUD housing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it isn't good. Actually, actually no, it's probably not HUD housing. It's it's slightly worse than that. And, uh, of course, anybody's like, shut up, man. That ain't funny. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, what the hell is wrong with you? I think the road state completely threw me. Um, yeah, so he he, uh, he lives in a really run-down like, tenement building, and the yes. landlords that own it are going to shut it down. Well, his mom's dying, and he needs you know to figure out what to do. And his, his sister, who is played by, uh, what was her name? Kelly Jo Mint, Minter. Minter? I want to say Minter. Minter? Minter, yes. And she yeah. was in like House Party and uh, Dream... Uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 and, and some other pictures. And, mm-hmm. oh, and Summer School with uh, Mark Harmon. Because oh, yeah. since we never get to do that movie, I actually did some research on it, which was a total waste of my time. Yeah, we'll and, put it on our yeah, list. Eventually. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, so, anyway, so Fool is um, given the opportunity by his sister Ruby, played by Kelly Jo Minter. Her boyfriend, Ving Rames, uh, plays a guy named Leroy, uh, tells him, well, we can break into the house of the landlord's and they apparently there's this rumor they have all this money and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just say they don't. Well, they have money, but they're just this side of that um, s <laughs> crazy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these <laughs> folks are seriously head yes. deep in the outhouse, like nutball, <laughs> crazy, and cool. for Cocoa Puffs. Yes. <laughs> And they're just referred to as man and woman. They call each other mommy and daddy. And they're played Ugh. by the fantastic, I mean, these people are awesome, Everett McGill and Wendy Roby. They were. Yeah. Um, they also played husband and wife, a quick trivia note, in Twin Peaks. So that does I didn't con- really watch that show. Yeah, I, was, I, I, was, I didn't watch it when it was on. It's one of those I've always kind of wanted to go back and revisit yeah. it, even though I kind of know how it all turns out. And they do bad things to kids, let's just say. And so the title of the movie has a certain point to it. And they have a daughter named Alice, A.J. Langer. And, of course, this movie was written by and directed by Wes Craven. And we talked before about his background um, as a professor and and the fact that, you know, you can obviously catch this is a fairy tale. I mean, her name's Alice and just the whole setup of the whole thing and the fact that he's a fool and, you know, all of those 
What's under that? the stairs. Well, yeah, just yeah, just all of there's so many elements of it that are so symbolic, and that's what I love about Craven stuff. That there's something deeper. There's obviously a very strong social subtext yeah. to this movie, and um, I want to mention Sean Whalen who plays Roach, or Moo, as he's known <laughs> in the picture. No, no, Boo! Yeah, Moo! yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Boo, boo, <laughs> and and uh, by the way. We're not just being mean. He actually talks like that because he had his tongue cut out, I do believe. And, yes. And he's he's referred to as the thing in the walls by man and woman. And, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a fantastic movie. Highly recommend it. I think it's probably one of Craven's most underrated movies. It's definitely top two or three uh, for me of his. Maybe number one. It may it may be my yeah. number one favorite Craven movie overall. We're going to have to do that one. We're going to have to do a full episode on that because I actually well, saw that in the J- theater. Jason, uncle, Jason, so. Jason. I, did, I saw it with my dad as well. And... I will tell really? you. Really? Yes, and I will tell you, I do believe that we <laughs> might, in fact, be doing it at some point. Maybe. Let's Maybe it's on our list. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, People on the Stairs, 1991. Check it out. Roach says so. <laughs> so on that note, Jason, <laughs> would you like to uh, wrap it up with the old voicemail feedback hotline? Yes. Please give us a call anytime, anywhere, from any time zone, and tell us what you think about Han Solo being a wuss. 206-203-0491. Yes, and you He was better in the remake anyway. The remake. What did you say remake? It wasn't a remake. It was a remaster. No, it wasn't a remaster. They just added junk in. It was reimagined. No, reimagining is what the people who don't want to admit that they're making a remake... Makes. First time I heard that it was when... It looked better when the Death Star blew up with the ring around it. Oh, that's all I gotta say. I will give you this. The explosions <laughs> and stuff looked better, but then they could have just left it at that. Okay? Yeah, that's uh, true. Gosh. Yeah, so you can uh, send us your feedback at forgotten uh, feedback at ForgottenFlicks.com, and you can uh, you can also go Jason at ForgottenFlicks.com or Joel at ForgottenFlicks.com, and I probably should not give too many options, so just stick with feedback at ForgottenFlicks.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm ForgottenFlicks and Jason's Flicks Sidekick, and check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review, especially if it's glowing and involves five stars. <laughs> Please. Yeah, seriously, people, we're not joking. We we need we need your love. We need your love. So, Jason, uh, any final comments? Yeah, after all this house talk, I am not going anywhere near a closet for the next month. <laughs> I'm in a closet right now. Closets are bad. You're in trouble. Get out now. It's actually really hot in here. It's pathetic. <laughs> I'm actually sweating. Are you in Vietnam? I feel I'm having I'm having a flashback right now. I'm in <laughs> Nam with Bull Shannon. Dan, Dan Fielding, <laughs> Harry Anderson, <laughs> Mel Torme. Okay, now we're moving through the jungle. Wait, who's that I see up ahead? It's Norm from Cheers, Cliff Clavin. My God, why why he's talking right now and all I see are Pixar movies. What's going on? <laughs> uh, okay, there's, okay, there's Sam Malone. Okay, there's Carla, there's, okay, okay, now we're going around the corner, that, is that the Keaton family?
Wait, wait, is that Mike Seaver? I love Mike <laughs> Seaver. No Dan Fielding, not your gun.